because there are going to be difficult times ahead when you start something. You're mm. going to want to sometimes throw in the towel. You know, uh, lots of financial hardships that I went through. Uh, you know, a lot of discouragement from people that are around you. And the only way that you're going to be able to make it through, it's going to be now 10 years I've been working on the organization. The only way is to really know your why and to recognize that if other people are out there discouraging you, it does not mean that they don't believe in you. It just means that they don't believe enough in themselves. And if they don't believe in themselves, how can they possibly believe in you? No. So it, it's, that's, that, that's a, like a key component. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents, trademarks, and their businesses. And if you ever need help with yours, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com and grab some time with us to chat. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, and I'm worried I'm going to mess up her name, Orly Waba. Is that close? You did it. You got it right. right. You got it right. That's not an easy one. You had a hard one over there. All right. So just as a, as a quick introduction, so um, Orly runs or has a few different companies that she runs, uh, but kind of backing up as a, as a kid growing up, kind of always dreamed of uh, changing the world a bit, um, kind of experienced a bit of a tragedy during high school with the family or with a, a home fire and the family having to move around a bit um, and then went into, I think, teaching for a few years or seven or eight years, um, inspiring students to um, lead, or make the leap, pursue their dreams and that, and then to jumped over a bit to film production, worked on a film, reached uh, over, I think, 100 million views or something like that. And you'll correct me yeah, if I, if I get it wrong. Yeah. And then uh, developed an international fan base, um, learned a, a lot of the, or had to learn a lot of aspects or every aspect of the business. And then is uh, led her to developing a mobile app and a couple additional businesses that she's running today. And also talks a lot about uh, kindness and other things that people should consider in their life. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast. Thank you so much, Devin. It's really an honor to be here. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So I gave the, the, the quick 30, 30 second run through of a, <laughs> a much longer journey. So let's uh, take a bit, bit, or a bit back and tell us a little about growing up and always wanting to change the world and kind of how you got to where you're at today. 100%. So like you said, I was a middle school teacher for seven incredible years. I loved teaching. It was the best time of my life, to be honest. Mm. And, um, you know, the concepts of, of kindness, compassion, empathy, these were things I was implementing onto my classroom on a daily basis. And I saw the impact that it had on my students. And it was actually my students that were the ones that really gave me the courage, that extra push I needed to sort of take that message that I was very much bringing into the classroom and mm. bring it out there to the world. And back in 2011, left my job teaching. And so I started- back in, like, sorry, or Just to dive in really quick. So got into teaching. Yeah. So I assume that you got a teaching degree, graduated from college before that, is that right? Well, I'll tell you. So I actually, my, my story of how I became a teacher is a little bit, it is not a conventional story. I'm happy to share, but it was not a conventional story. I actually went we to college. We love non-conventional stories. So let's hear it. Okay. It's pretty crazy. So I went to college for film production in English. And right. Um, right after I graduated uh, college, my film had won the, the audience award at the, you know, at the, my end of the year production class. Mm. And it opened up some doors for me. I was planning the following year to work on a feature film. And mm. I remember when I had won that award, I remember that night I proclaimed, I said out loud, I want to make a film that's going to reach the world. And then I want to go into teaching. I love kids, always love kids. 
And, you know, being involved in film, my family was like, what are you doing? What are you going? Where are you going with your life in film? What do you think you can actually, you know, make of this? Hmm. Bottom line is I also, so like I said, I loved teaching. I got asked to be the, uh, the um, coach of the basketball team of the middle school. Hmm. And you'll see how this all connects. And I said, okay, this is amazing. It's a great foot in the door. I love basketball. I love sports. And I'll already be in the school and perhaps it can lead to something more. And I put my name down to be a substitute teacher for, for math. Because I, I entered in math. And I said, uh, I'm going to you know, be a substitute teacher. I'll, make, I'll be able to make some money on the side. And I'm going to work on this, this you know, feature film over my first year graduating from college. Hmm. Turns out that in September, the very beginning of the year, on my birthday, out of all days, I get a phone call from the secretary of the middle school. And she said, uh, hi, Orly, we see your name is on our list. How would you like to teach six classes for sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, six different preps? And I said, wait, what? <laughs> what happened was my cousin, who was 13 years old at the time, was in the office. And the principal was talking about it. He was saying, oh, my goodness, I don't know what I'm going to do. There's a teacher going on maternity leave. What am I supposed to do? And so my cousin says, hey, why don't you call my cousin Orly? I was always tutoring. I was tutoring throughout my years of, uh, you know, of college, mm. you know, middle age, middle school kids and high school kids. And so I said, I got to take this opportunity. I was scared out of my mind. I was 21 years old. Okay. And these kids are 13 and I'm coming in to teach. And I, I didn't get my degree in education. It was extremely, extremely nerve wracking. And I worked, so walked in the one first question. Day, so this is a, as a curiosity. So, you know, was it when they said, Hey, why don't we, why don't you come work? Was that basically, was it an offer for a full-time job? Was that like a- No, no, no. It wasn't at all. It wasn't teacher? at all full-time. It was a substitute teacher for six weeks because the teacher was on maternity leave. Oh, okay. And gotcha. they needed somebody to be able to take over those six classes. Hmm. And I came in and I loved it. I fell in love with it, fell in love with the kids. And they, they were learning during this time. Generally, when you have a substitute teacher- you're really not learning. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. you, know, you, you know, you're joking around and so on and so forth. And after those six weeks, every teacher that was absent would want, wanted me to be their sub because they knew they saw that the kids were learning. Mm -hmm. And there was a teacher that was gone for, she was supposed to be gone for two weeks. It turned into four months. And I was doing everything from report cards to, you know, parent teachers, the whole, you know, the whole shebang. And mm -hmm. that took me all the way up until April. And in April, the school offered me a full-time job to teach the following year and to direct the, the theater productions in the school. Cause I had a background in theater. I was directing theater and I always loved it. Mm. And so that's how, that's how it came about the most random, craziest thing. I mean, to me, it really shows that you never know where opportunity is going to come from. And it's important to be open and to be able to say, to say yes, even if you're mm. scared, I was so super nervous and it ended up being, it, it really just fit me. I feel like teachers, yes, you know, Teachers go to school to learn how to teach, but I really do believe that it's very, very much inborn. You have to, you have to love kids and you have to, you have to have that in you. And it was very, mm. very much in me. So it turned out that I ended up teaching for seven years and then I ended up making the film that, uh, that reached the world. It happened exactly opposite, but it was really incredible. So, so did you have to, when you now got into teaching, do you have to go back for your teaching degree to degrees you already had qualify? I don't know any of that. So I was just curious. No, it's, it's a great question. So no, no, it's a great question. I happen to be teaching in a private school. So it was, it's a little bit different than if you're teaching okay. in a public school, but I did go for my master's while I was teaching. And I, I got my master's, um, during my, during my years teaching and, mm. uh, yeah. And that was basically it. 
So, you, so you go get your master's. You teach for seven, you know, for seven years. Have a find it. It's enjoyable. You have a blast, and it, you know, it's certainly rewarding. Then, how did you then get back to okay? Now I've or, or I'm going to get back into the film industry or make another film. You know, what was that push, or how did you make that transition? So I tell you, it was super scary. I mean, so many things in my life. It was always, you know, you get you have to constantly put yourself out of your comfort zone. That's what I always say because great things happen when you're outside of your comfort zone, and like I said, you know, these concepts of kindness, compassion, empathy, these were things I was really implementing into my classroom. It wasn't just about mm -hmm. teaching the facts and figures, you know, being able to, it was really about talking about life. We were talking about real important topics in class and developing character and values. And so I was constantly looking for ways to empower my students to recognize the value within themselves. And one mm -hmm. of the greatest tools that could be utilized to help a person recognize their value is kindness. So we mm -hmm. engage in many different uh, activities with them, utilizing kindness. And, and then it was my summer off from teaching and you, know, you have summers off from teaching. And I said, you know what? I want to be able to show people the ability that kindness has to go from one person to the next, mm. that amazing, just fluid motion that when you, you know, when you do something kind for somebody, you sort of supercharge them and then they go ahead and they supercharge another and so on and so forth. And I started writing out these experiences, you know, that I've went through in my life, these little moments that left an impression on me. And a script came about and I said, you know what? I have a, I have a background in film production. I miss film like crazy. Mm. I, gotta, I gotta do this. But it had been seven years since I had done film. So I was scared out of my mind. Everyone around me was telling me that I'm nuts. What are you mm. doing? You're wasting your money. You think you're gonna make a difference? Who do you think you're gonna reach? But I felt it very much in my heart. I knew I had to do this. And so I went through, I actually reached out to, to, uh, you know, kids that I went to college with that were my DP and so on and so forth. And I like reconnected with them and we created this film. It was a super scary experience because I didn't know what was going to come from it. And I invested a lot in it. Uh, this was before I really officially had the nonprofit organization, you know, so uh, I already had the name. I knew that it was going to be called life S inside. Yeah, you were, go ahead, go ahead. No. So, so you, you had the idea. I, I want to, you know, I, first of all, I had the summers off. I, you know, had this idea. I want to teach uh, students kindness and everything else. So, you know, was it the idea? Okay. I'm going to go create a film because my experience and granted is very limited experience. So I, you know, as you know, you'd have to have a production team or you'd have to have a crew or you'd have to have money to fill or do the film and you have to do editing and you have to do sound design. All of which I have no idea how you do, but I just hear, you know, you hear all the buzzwords. So when you decided, hey, I'm going to go do this film, was it going to be kind of a one man band kind of, or, you know, one woman band kind of a thing? Or is it going to be, hey, I have a, a network of friends that I'm going to do it, or I've got funding, or I'm going to, how did you kind of go about actually so, making yeah, it? Yeah, great question. Really great question. So the first thing I did was I wrote the script, I came up with the idea. And then once I came up with the idea, I sort of perfected the script. At the same time, uh, I knew that I was going to be funding it myself personally. Mm. You know, for my savings that I had from teaching, I knew that I was going to be doing it. I wasn't going to ask anybody for, you know, for money. For me, it's always like, okay, I got to put my all into something. I want to show that it's something. And then afterwards, I can go to other people and say, hey, you know, look what I'm, you know, look what I'm up to. Do you want to get involved? Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm doing this and wrote the script. And I reached out to one of my friends from, from college that was a DP on, on my qualifying film that I did, uh, you know, back, back then. And I said, look, here's my idea. Here's my script. This is what I want to do. Um, I wrote down, like I created my shot list of, you know, how I wanted it to be. And we started connecting together and found, I, I found the location. That was, that was a really key component. And I said, how 
cool would it be if each and every one of these acts of kindness lead from one to the next without any cuts, no cutting. I mm. want to show this fluidity of kindness. Mm. And so we found the script. I went ahead. I took a camera. I have the pictures. It's funny. I, I stumbled on the pictures about a year ago. The pictures that I took of these different angles on that same street of how I would film this, like how mm. it would actually be filmed. And I put it out on a storyboard. You know, this is how it's going to look. And this is how I want the, you know, the connection to be. And then the next step was finding a crew, right? I needed a crew. So my, you know, my friend who was basically became sort of was the, you know, the DP of my production. Hmm. He connected me with a few people. One person connected me to another. And I started just getting on, on the call, on the phone, you know, to find who's going to be my steady cam operator that's going to be holding the camera. So it's not going to be all, who's going to be my, my you know, uh, for example, who's going to be some of my PAs, my PA assistants or whatever. Mm. I knew that there wasn't going to be any sound, which was really great. And mm. there was lots of, there were lots of props also that were needed for, for this film. Some really pretty expensive props, you know, the kind of camera that I was going to use. I had to go through all of these steps of so, production. So, you know, that I was sounds, producing that, it. So that sounds reasonably expensive for a lot of crew, a lot of people, a lot of things. I, how do you know, how do you go about affording that? I, teachers aren't well known for making an exorbitant amount of money that they're rolling in the dough, so to speak. So how did you go about kind of figuring out how to afford that, how to produce it, how to manage it and how to make or produce it? Great question. I mean, I, I did the best I could, especially when speaking mm -hmm. to those that I was uh, onboarding, letting them know what the real purpose of this film is and that this is part of this nonprofit that I'm looking to create and uh, you know, so there were a lot of people that were willing to lend their services uh, for free because they were excited about the project. For example, even the actors that were in it, they weren't getting paid to act in the film. The, you know, they were, you know, their, their, you know, the transportation was covered, you know, craft services are covered. But I, I had to try my best speaking mm. to each and every person to let them know the situation that I'm in. I personally, even though I was a teacher, and yes, you're right, teachers don't exactly make a lot of money and then far from it, but I was always a saver. I was always saving, you know what I'm saying? So hmm. I had, I had my savings and I said to myself, I know that this is something I'm meant to do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow fear to get the best of me. Now I have to say, cause this is important and my situation would have been different. Otherwise I was living with my parents at the time. Right. So hmm. I didn't have to worry about, and, and look, that's something that really does come into play. I didn't have to worry about rent or utilities and things like that. And so I was able to at least say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put this money into this. It was mm. about $20,000 that I invested into this film. Mm. Okay. Which is, which is a nice chunk of money, but I knew that I was, I knew I had to do this and I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know how it was going to reach people. I honestly didn't, but I did my best to keep costs down to whatever mm. as low as they possibly can be. And that takes time because you have to really get on calls and you have to talk to people and try to see how you can, uh, how you can maneuver and, and making sure that you're budgeting properly and, and so on and so forth. That was really important, putting together what the budget was going to be, you know, uh, and then we held, you know, we held auditions. We had about two days that we all met together as a crew. And I probably would say that the most important thing out of everything I did for this film, the most important thing mm. was something that I stayed up all night to do. And I wasn't intending to do it. Mm. I said, I need to write, a one-liner, it was going to be a one-liner, couple-line analysis, a description, a character description for every character that's in this film. Now, this film is five minutes, okay? No character is on the, 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 the screen for longer than, I don't know, 15 seconds. 
okay? And it was supposed to be just a short description so that the actors will understand who they are playing. Because right. like I told you earlier, every single film in this, in, in, every single scene in this film is based on real life experiences I went through. And I started writing down the backstories of these characters and I ended up spending, staying up the entire night. I remember crying so much that night because with each and every character that I was writing their backstory, what was started at was one line, turned out to be a page for each and every character. And there was a piece of me in every one of those people and building up who their, what their backstory is, who are they, where are they from? So it was a very emotional experience. And to hmm. be honest, I really do believe that the emotion that was put into that was the key behind this entire film. Because hmm. when, when I was working with the actors, and that's the thing I love doing the most, it was about making sure they understand who it is that they're playing. Yeah, they're on the screen for whatever, 15 seconds. But who are you? What is your background? What happened bef before today? that puts you here in this place, that that act of kindness, that that small thing that somebody did for you, that you're gonna do for somebody else, really means more than anything. Mm. You know, what, what, what is behind what we see on the film? To me, I think that was the most valuable time I could have possibly spent in doing something. Uh, and there were so many issues that came up during the day of the film also. It was, it was an intense, intense day. <laughs> I'm sure it was. And I'm sure that it was fun and exciting, a lot of work and culmination of a lot of things and also scary and horrifying that it, hopefully it goes off because you don't, you're not like a big production that you can just do multiple takes and multiple rounds and uh, endless funding until you get it right. So I think that that's cool that you did that. So so now you did that. You make the film, you know, you, and I think it's called Kindness Boomerang. Is that right? You're correct. Yes. All right. So you do the you do the kindness boomerang and it goes a bit viral and you know I think you, I think if I remember right it had over a hundred million views to it. Oh yeah, well well over that. I mean, it's been posted in so many different places with with hundreds of millions of views in some locations. It's pretty intense. So and you do that and so you know and I think first of all that's awesome. That you're, hey, we're setting out to show the the kindness matters and how to be kind and the, the impact it can have. And then it gets picked up and goes viral and all of that effort and time and, and energy that goes into it. Now, did you do that? Was that kind of, how did that play? Were you I backing up? Were you still a teacher at the time? Meaning, Hey, we did this over the summer. I'm still doing the teaching job or did you, you know, and how did you transition or how did that affect going forward as it got built to success? Or you're saying, Hey, I've got a bigger mission here. I want to reach out to people. I'm still going to be a teacher. I'm going to do juggle both of them. Or how did you kind of move forward as it, as it kind of gained momentum? So it's a great question. So I actually, I filmed Kindness Boomerang September 1st, 2010. Now, what people don't know is that I didn't actually show it to not a single person until October of 2011. Because mm. right after I filmed it, September 1st, 2010, the following week I was back in school teaching, right? Mm. And it was when I got back that, that, that that little kid inside of me that dreamed of changing the world that we were talking about earlier started dreaming again. It started mm. dreaming way big. And I said, look, Orly, if you believe in this enough, then you got to go all in. You, you're mm. not gonna be able to juggle teaching and this because I'm not a punch in, punch out teacher. I was the mm. teacher that was there 24 seven with the kids. They call me up whenever, like I, we, I was just, it was just, the, it was completely all encompassing. Mm. So in December of 2010, I went into the principal's office and I did something that nobody thought I'd ever do because I was like that forever teacher. I was like, you know, like the crazy teacher that all the kids loved and I, and I love them. Mm. And I said, look, I think I got to take the next year off. And he was like, wait, what? What are you talking about? Where is it coming from? I said, I, I'm looking to take one year off. I, want, I, 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 need, I need to take this year for myself. I'm going to see what happens. I had full intention of coming back to teaching. I really did. Uh, and 
Then over the course of that year, from 2010 into the 2011, that year that I was still teaching, I started working on the, basically getting all of the nonprofit paperwork in place. Mm. So, you know, getting it registered as a 501c3, you know, writing down my mission statement, my, you know, my logo, all that kind of stuff. I started getting all of that ready over that year while I was still Mm. teaching. And then in September, 2011, I was not teaching. I was no longer in school. And a month later is when I posted the film up online. Mm. Uh, I wasn't going to even post it up at the time because I'm like, I'm a super perfectionist. I was like, I need my website. My goodness. I feel like I'm working on so long. It's still not here. Now I realize like I laugh at myself. I'm like, you know, things don't happen with a snap of a finger. You know, it it takes some time. Well, I Mm. thought at the time, wow, it's taking so long. Meanwhile, I look back now. I really laugh at myself. But I said, look, I'm going to put this film up online. I don't know how it's going to reach people, who it's going to reach. I had a YouTube channel. I didn't even have a website yet. And I uploaded it. And I did, to be very honest, I didn't do any marketing for it. That's the honest truth. Hmm. I didn't even know. Like, I, you know, going viral was even a new term that was coined at the time. Like, that was very, very hmm. new still. It's 2011, you know. And within a couple of months, the film went viral. And I was thrown into this whirlwind. I was planning for that 2011, 2012 year, I was planning to take that time to really, you know, develop the foundations of the organization. Mm. And suddenly I couldn't, Mm. I was thrown into this whirlwind of like people messaging me from all over and it being on the media and it getting awards. And I didn't know what was happening. And all I had was my YouTube channel. So all Mm. I would, one of the biggest things I did, the area where I invested the most time was just responding to people on YouTube, like Mm. answering every comment. I mean, there were thousands of comments coming in a day, every single comment and developing, I didn't realize at the time, but developing these real relationships with people, Mm. which really led to my first, you know, to my next really big success within the organization. And that came just later that year. You know, Mm. I had, I knew where I was planning to go. I knew the philosophy of the organization. I knew how I was looking to create impact. It was through inspirational media like film, through education, through technology, and through on-the-ground social engagement, through events. And Mm. so I knew that I was going in that direction, but suddenly, you know, there was so much being thrown at me. It was so difficult to build the more of the foundational aspects. And in May of that year, right after the film went viral, I had a I had a dream. I know it sounds crazy, but I had a dream about this crazy event. And I woke up and I'm like, I gotta do this. Mm. And in my dream, there are like thousands of people standing in front of the UN from all different countries holding their flag of their country. And on mm. the other side of it, it had the motto of life fest inside by living kindly change is possible. And mm. thousands of people were gathered together singing and dancing in unison. And I woke up and I said, I gotta do this. I gotta do this. Because mm. when people come together in song and in dance, suddenly the differences that we have fade away and we recognize that, you know what, at the end of the day, we have a commonality that exists amongst all of us. And that's kindness. And that's when the concept and the idea for the first worldwide dance for kindness came into be. I found out that there was something called World Kindness Day, which no one had any clue about. And I said, my goal is to make World Kindness Day become known. And I'm going to create the largest global flash mob that's going to happen on that day, run by volunteers to the same song, same dance happening on the same day, with kindness activities happening around the world. But again, I had no background in dance (laughs) and flash mobs. How am I supposed to do this? And how am I supposed to get other people to join me? 
So I decided, well, if I'm going to teach, right? Because again, my essence is a teacher. If you're going to teach something, you need to know how to do it first yourself. And then you could create a model. And mm. so in June, I created a flash mob in New York City in Times Square, just with members from my community, about 70, 80 people. And I learned how to organize this. And by learning, I then wrote a little handbook and I reached out to people up on Facebook. I, didn't, I still didn't have a website at the time. And I said, hey, this is what I'm planning to do for a world kindness day. Who want, who's crazy enough to join me? And 30 people sort of raised their hands from 15 countries around the world. And I met with each and every one of them. And these people were people that I had answered on YouTube, that I developed these friendships. And suddenly we created an amazing, amazing movement um, that now has turned into over being in over 65 countries around the world. So now, so you've done all that. So you've done the videos, flash mobs, or, you know, kindness dance. So you've, uh, you've worked on a whole lot of different aspects and, you know, kind of pulling it forward now to today, now looking at the kind of the next six to 12 months, kind of, where do you see things going? Where's the movement headed and what is kind of in the works or the plans to, or plans for the next or next or aspect of it? Sure. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, over this past year of, of COVID, it's actually opened up, um, stranger it is, a lot of opportunity to really engage digitally. Well, we are always engaging digitally with our fan base, but over this year, we've been working on loads of digital, video digital collaborations, which have been incredible. Each and every one has been really amazing. And so uh, I'm creating an entire new series of digital video collaborations, global collaborations, which is very exciting. Mm. And more than that, uh, developing out the education educational wing of Life Est Inside. So we have an educational curriculum that really brings kindness, compassion, empathy into the classroom and um, developing that and providing that to schools uh, throughout the U.S. or in, in various locations around the world. So that's definitely been a, a very exciting venture. And we also, over the year, created our uh, Kindness Challenge, which is sort of a platform that uh, provides various kindness challenges that you can do from just the privacy of your own home Mm. Uh, to engage with the world in kindness and you gain kindness points and kindness badges and then you you unlock the next uh, challenges and so on and so forth one of the fun things that we started doing um and we just actually implemented this we're going into our second month now this past year our dance for kindness event our global event which is also a leadership training program in its in its core it's developed into something much more than just an event um what i mean by that is our, the purpose of this event, really, the core of it, is a leadership training program that teaches people from around the world that sign up to become group leaders, to become volunteers, to mm. learn how to take any idea that they have to create impact in the world, any big idea, and break it down into its steps. Because lots of people have dreams, but not all people know how to take those dreams and make them become actualized. And the big process, the big step, the, the, the learning thing, that the learning curve that has to happen there is understanding how to dream big, but how to think small, how to break it into its parts. And that's really what we've done with, uh, with our Dance for Kindness leadership training program is teaching people how to take any idea they have and break it into its parts and make it come into fruition, in, even if they don't have a dollar to their name. And so this year, the problem was is that we didn't, you know, nobody was connecting physically. We were all doing things digitally. And so we ended up putting together an incredible digital event. And as a result of it, deciding, hey, you know, we don't have to wait once a year to do this event. Might as well get gathered together on a monthly basis. So we start, we launched something called the monthly dance party where we, where, um, we opened it up to people to join us once a month 
We do a different dance every single month. And the idea of dance is that dance brings together community. It also, it, it helps to, 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 you know, to bridge the gaps between people. But more than that, it gives us an opportunity after we go through this dance, we mm. connect together, people share their stories, um, their backgrounds, because the whole key is that education is the key to tolerance. So when people get to learn about one another, suddenly they see, wow, you know what? There's a lot more commonality. And then together on this monthly dance party, we engage in acts of kindness in real time and then share about what that experience was like. So to jump in and just because, or for a matter of time, just because we have, or we always have our last two questions. I want to make sure we or have enough time to dump to those. I think that'll be interesting along your journey. I think that's, a, you know, a, lo- a really great mission. A lot of where you guys are heading is, is it'll be fun to see continually ongoing effort. Cause I think that something that that world definitely needs is more kindness. Now, as a, as in order to keep it within our, our, our 30 minutes so that uh, people don't uh, don't nod off or they don't tune out because I want to make sure that they know to have, how to find out more and or where to go because I think it's a great cause. Maybe we'll jump to the last two questions I always ask, which is the first question is, is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Ah, the worst business decision I ever made, I would say happened in the very, very, very start because I, again, I was starting off. I was a teacher. I didn't have a background in nonprofit and have a non background in, in business at all. And um, I was advised by certain people, but sometimes we make, we need to make those mistakes ourselves. Uh, The biggest, the biggest, you know, the worst decision I made was not really focusing in the very beginning on the business plan and the structure forward for the entity, Mm. because there was so much happening, so much coming at me. um, And suddenly this organization that nobody knew anything about because of this film, just sort of like jetted upward. But the problem was that you, if you don't build the foundations properly, the building isn't going to be able to be as strong as it can be. Mm. And I feel like that was definitely one of my biggest mistakes. I needed to take more time to develop really the business thought behind the entity to really create a, what that revenue stream of the entity was going to be mm. um, and, to, and, and to go after to looking at, at going out for funding. That was mm. not necessarily easy for me. I was used to, okay, if I want to do something, I'm going to fund it myself. But you can only do that for so much time, especially since I wasn't taking a salary. I hadn't taken a salary from Life Fest Inside from the beginning. All I had to really fund this was my teacher's savings that I had for all those years. Hmm. And I wish that I was a bit smarter in that regard and that I, I actually sought out people that know how to build business in the proper way and gain more of that advice and, and no. take the time, not be so quick to want to like, I need to get it up and running. You know, really take the time, the pre-production time, as I say. No, and I think that that's a good point. I think that one is identifying, you know, other areas or aspects of people to bring on, but and then doing that a bit of that planning because I think that that's kind of a, a lot of entrepreneurs and myself included is you have a great idea, something that's going to be excited about, thing that has a lot of opportunity, a lot of things to do, and it can have a big impact. You just want to dive in and get going, and yet if you sometimes jump over that planning phase and that planning stage, you're now going to miss some of the critical aspects of the business because hundred percent you don't take you don't. T- you don't factor those into account when you're or when you're doing things. So now we jump to the second question, which is if you're now just type or talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? I would say the most important thing is to really know your why. And I always say that if you know your why, your how, 
is going to find its way towards you. Because if you don't know your why, and if it's not deeply connected, my why is deeply connected to me because of experiences that I went through my adolescent years after going through a very severe depression, after there was a fire in my home and we were moving around for six years. It was a very, very, very difficult time in my life where I was very, very, I was this close to giving up on myself. And I made a promise to myself at 15 to be there for people the way I wish somebody would have been there for me and to see people the way I wish somebody would have seen me. And it was that why that led me to teaching. It's that why it led me to life fest inside. And it's that why that pushed me forward, even when I wanted to throw in the towel, because there are going to be difficult times ahead when you start something. You're mm-hmm. going to want to sometimes throw in the towel, you know, uh, lots of financial hardships that I went through, uh, you know, a lot of discouragement from people that are around you. And the only way that you're going to be able to make it through, it's going to be now 10 years I've been working on the organization. The only way is to really know your why and to recognize that if other people are out there discouraging you, it does not mean that they don't believe in you. It just means that they don't believe enough in themselves. And if they don't believe in themselves, how can they possibly believe in you? So no. it, it's, it, that's, that, that's like a key component. No, and I, I love that because, you know, it's, and it's interesting. So I, I've done a, I did uh, just an episode recently. It might have been the one just before this one. Um, and the same, or I got a similar answer, and they were talking about one of the great books that I love is by Simon Sinek, and it's, you know, starting with why. Um, and I think that that's a, you know, great book that kind of highlights and for people that are kind of trying to find their why and why they're doing it and the motivation and kind of answering that question, I think it provides a lot of guidance. So I just, interesting correlation that that's been a recent answer with a lot of people, because I, but I think it definitely makes sense. Well, as people want to reach out to you, they want to find out more about your, all of your things you have going on, support your cause, help to share kindness. They want to be a supporter. They want to be an investor. They want to help with the next project. They want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above. What's the best, best way to reach out or find out more? Well, best way would be to go to the website. It's lifevestinside.com. And there you'll be, ha- be able to go to see all of the different initiatives. We have separate websites for some of the initiatives because they become much bigger on their own. But from lifevestinside.com, you'll be able to go to everything. And you can also check us out on our social media channels. I would definitely recommend uh, subscribing to the YouTube channel. We put up videos there once a week. Um, and you can always email me, of course, orly, O-R-L-Y, at lifevestinside.com. I answer all my emails. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage everybody to reach out, whether it's go to the website, support the cause, reach out to you directly. Um, There are certainly a lot of great causes, a lot of things you have going on. And I I think that uh, the world certainly needs a lot more kindness. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to come on the podcast and uh, be a guest, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show and uh, share your journey. Also, if you're a listener, one, make sure to click subscribe in your podcast player so you know when all the awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so new people can find out about the podcast. Last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents or trademarks or anything else, reach out to us at Miller IP Law by going to strategymeeting.com. Thank you again, Orly. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun Thank to hear you your so journey. Thank you so much. Wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much. It was great to speak to you.